Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And today we want to dig into two of the arguments that are floating around the culture. First of all, should Amy Cooper, who was last seen in Central Park lynching her <laughs> dog and trying to lynch Christian Cooper, mm-hmm. uh, should she be arrested, charged? Uh, brought on trial for making a false phone call, a, a law that is now the Amy Cooper law. My God, there's a law with your name on it. My God. Yeah, that's embarrassing. The, the indignity. Um, there's a lot of prominent black intellectuals publicly making an argument that she should not be. Christian Cooper joins them saying, she has suffered enough. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing, Danielle. And I can't say to... it without my eyes rolling out of my head. Do you want her arrested and charged or what? I want her arrested and I want her charged. This is no longer about just about Amy Cooper. And I think that this is what folks are losing sight of, is that it's actually a message, a symbol that needs to be sent out to the rest of the Karens of the world, right? That... Calling the cops, using the cops as your own personal battalion, because you know that you are a white woman and you know that you are just believed by birth, right? Um, Mm -hmm. That you can be fined, you can be jailed, you can be persecuted for your racism. Like, I think that this is important. There's a law that was introduced in San Francisco, much like the Amy Cooper law in New York, that is called the Karen Act, right? And- but it begins with a C. Uh, mm. But it is the same premise. Look, I, you know, Christian Cooper, God bless him, I guess. Right. Because he's a maybe he thinks that he's a better person. Maybe he doesn't want bad karma. But this isn't just about him. And the fact is, is that Christian Cooper could be a hashtag now that we are discussing. If right. Amy Cooper had had her way, Christian Cooper could be George Floyd, could That's be. Right. You know, Elijah McClain could be Tamir Rice, could be all of these people. And so, you know, I don't care she lost her job. I don't care that her name is being dragged through the mud. She knew what she was doing. 
She knew she was being videotaped. She didn't care. So I don't care. Yeah. I mean, part of the argument is that, you know, those of us, Danielle and I included, who want the abolition of police and prisons, right? Prison is part of the abolition movement. Um, The argument is that we should not rely on the criminal justice system to handle our situations, right? We should not Mm -hmm. rely on prison to handle our situations. Now, I don't know why Amy Cooper is the first one to get the benefit of that. I don't recall us seeing, talking about any black men and saying like, well, maybe we shouldn't like, and I feel like there is some unchecked bias, the sort of white woman discount that Mm. people are extending (laughs) Mm -mm. to her and saying, oh, she suffered enough. She's a delicate white woman. She was publicly humiliated, lost her job, briefly lost her dog. She's gone through enough. Fuck that. Yeah. She's premeditated evil. She Mm -hmm. wanted him to be arrested. She wanted him to be humiliated. She knew, surely knew, there was a chance that he could be beat down. There could be a chance that he could be killed. She rolled the dice and was like, whatever happens to you happens to you. I don't give a fuck. I want you to know that I am the superior actor in this situation because I am white. And this is attempted murder. This is what I'm saying. Now, I know that so how, you, and so I, how, you and I are not lawyers, right? So the, the legalities around this, was it premeditated? Is it considered attempted well, murder? Definitely premeditated. She said, I'm going to call the police and say, blah, blah, blah. And say that a black man is threatening me. me right? right. And then but, she did that. So this clearly premeditated. So, but in the law, it's like they consider premeditated as Amy Cooper woke up that day. No, right? no. And no, no. she dis- and she decided that she was going no. to do X thing. No, no, that's not premeditation. Premeditation could be milliseconds. You don't. It doesn't have to be hours mm. before. You just you before you a, a a moment before you did it, you thought about it and then did it. That's premeditation. Interesting. I you want know, to see her in the bracelets. I want to see yeah. her do the perp walk. I want to see she has not suffered enough. I want to see her go through the trauma and indignation of being arrested, being mm-hmm. briefly jailed, which happens when you are arrested, going before a, tr- a judge, having a record. Do I think that she's going to get prison time? No. no. Do I think she should get prison time? Yeah. She should how much do. Pri- how much prison? It's like, because for me, I'm like, I think that she should serve six months to a year. I think that that should be the penalty for making a a false uh, call to the police. And I also think that she should face a significant fine of, I don't know, what seems like it would hurt, $25,000, because she's wasting the public's tax dollars by calling the the police. She is endangering the person that she called the police on. So for me, I'm like, I, I want... I don't want things to be excessive, but I want it to fit. I want it to fit the penalty. And the thing I, is, is that we're, again, having this conversation about this wayward white woman. Mm-hmm. And we know that black men, black 
people, black women, get the books thrown at them all the time for the smallest infractions. All the we time. see the side by sides. Oh, young white guy steals something. He gets two years probation. Young black guy, same age, 21 years old, steals something. He gets five to 10 years. How about the and sister a, and, who got and, three and a felony. years for lying about her address so her daughter could go to a slightly better public school and she got like three years, three years. Three in years in prison. Amy Cooper tried to kill somebody, you know tried what? to ruin his life. I mean, like if if the story, if the if you subtract the camera and the mm-hmm. story is Christian Cooper attacks a white woman in Central Park, mm-hmm. right? Police had to beat him up because, of course, he was resisting arrest. He loses his place on the board. He loses his job. He loses this. And that. Like, you know, this is attempted murder. This is attempted uh, trying to ruin his life over him just saying some things to her that were proper. And... You know, I don't know how much time it should be. Well, but- now I'm changing my I'm changing it in the democracy ish law and order special victims unit. Dun-dun. I am deciding now that based on the case in Texas with the black woman who only wanted to do right by her child, who now was in jail for three years, um, I'm going to up Amy Cooper's time. Uh, I'm going to up Amy Cooper's time uh, to four years. Black lady courtroom. Black yeah. lady courtroom. <laughs> yeah, I'm up. I'm upping it to four to five years and no, re- no uh, release on good Look, behavior. I want all the Karens who are quick to pick up the phone because they saw a black man dancing in the street or walking down the street or sitting in a car to think fucking thrice not just twice but three times before you pick up the phone and say excuse me mr officer you need to go check on that black man because he looks too happy he looks too sad he looks threatening you need to do something about him they are not your personal security guards to go and check out every black person who doesn't even appear to be committing a crime and i want you to think about amy cooper Mm-hmm. And think, should I be calling? Because if I'm making a phony call, somebody I get, should. I could get you, coopered. You know, I could get coopered. And, you know, I mean, I think about, um, you know, John Crawford, right? Mm. Who was holding a gun that he was going to purchase in Walmart. And somebody made a call and lied about the situation. And police ran in and shot him. We have a recording of that call. They know who made that call. That person lied. That person should do time. The person who called about Tamir Rice should do time. You should be you should that should be a sacred thing and not just something that you do just willy-nilly at the drop of a hat. So, you know, so then to that point, Torre, should we as a part of the 
criminal justice reform that we're looking for, the reparations that we're looking for, the change in policies that are uh, that are unjust for communities of color that we're looking for. Should we be relitigating those cases where it was, in fact, phone calls that led to innocent black people being killed? Should those people, even if it's been uh, six, seven years at this time, should those people be prosecuted? I think so. I think so. If your bullshit call mm. that includes a lie mm-hmm. to police leads to somebody dying, that should be on you as well. The police should definitely have culpability and accountability there. They should not have run in and shot Tamir Rice. They have not should not have run in and shot John Crawford. Take a fucking second to assess the situation before you pull the goddamn trigger. But if you had not called, you would not have started this in motion. This show is... From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now, wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. Right. The other part of it that I see people arguing is that 
Well, Christian Cooper doesn't want her to face further trouble. He thinks that we're piling on her too much, so he's not going to participate. So because he thinks it's too much, because he's the victim, he gets to veto this, or he's the deciding factor. That is not how... Uh, That's not how Amer- justice works. American justice works. No. That the victim does not get to decide. The victim is very emotionally tied to the situation. And the whole thing with being a prosecutor is that you are supposed to be able to shut out the community and make a decision based on the law and what is right. And not, a lot of prosecutors not based on what he that. wants. Yeah. And not based on, and not based on, and because again, this isn't just about the individual. Right. Right. This isn't just about Christian Cooper. It is literally about every black person in New York, around the country, who has been a victim of these calls, these crimes, right, against us for doing literally nothing other than being black in public, other than trying to exist in a black body, in a society that sees us as criminals from the jump. And so, you know, uh, again, I will say, I don't I really don't understand where Christian Cooper is coming from. And I'm not going to try and unpack, you know, where he is psychologically and, you know, and and maybe the guilt that he feels because, oh, you know, I, I took the video and now this woman's life is ruined. And I just again, I would tell Christian, Christian, brother, like you are breathing and living right now as a as a stroke of luck. Like that, that is, that is luck right there. We know what the NYPD does. We have watched them on other videos, right? Take down, take down black men. They would not have cared about your pedigree. They would not have cared about your board chair. They would not have cared about any of those things. They would not have cared about the truth at that moment, because what they would have saw is a large, it's a tall black man. And this meek white woman that was a damsel in distress that needed somebody to rush in and save her from the clutches of the evil black man. Like that's the the picture that she painted. And when she changed the octave in her voice, that is exactly what she was painting. That bitch probably got a fine arts degree in drama for what she she put forward. But she doesn't even need that. Because she knows innately and others respond to it, the power of white female tears. And we have seen this in small moments and large. And the way a white woman can start crying and change the whole tenor of the room. And she could be wrong as hell and start crying. And people will bend over backwards to help her, to make her feel better. And look. Sometimes people cry and they need to be comforted, but sometimes people are using their tears as a weapon. And white women can be good at that. And this woman, like others we've seen, lied and used the damsel in distress sort of button to say, Mm -hmm. world come save me. And she was completely lying. And I want everybody else who would think to push that button Make sure you're not lying. Think about Amy Cooper, what happened to her. Or ask yourself very simple questions. Am I in danger? Am I at risk? Am I witnessing any type of criminal act that is unfolding? Those are just three basic questions. And when we look at a lot of these videos, you can see that none of those, none of those boxes could be checked. But she did that. Cooper, Christian she Cooper, what was he? Was there any criminal behavior? 
Uh, I told you to follow the rules that are written on the sign. So no. Was your life at threat? No, because she charged at him. For somebody that felt threatened, again, you watched the video and she charged at him. Right. Right? Um, So I feel like those questions need to be asked. And maybe, you know, maybe also the 911 operator needs to be trained in asking these questions. Ma'am, sir, is your life at risk? Are you witnessing criminal activity right now? Can you describe that criminal activity to me? Right? Like maybe there are, maybe there is a checklist to go through. So uh, the other, the other big issue that's going around that I think Danielle and I disagreed upon. I don't know because you change your mind a lot, but tell the Ooh, people. You're wrong <laughs> for that girl. Cause I really don't. Um, there was this insane New York Times video and essay. I think the NRA bought space in the New York Times <laughs> and put not. this out. It was a group of black people mm-hmm. saying, I don't feel safe in this country because there's crazy white people and the police shooting us. Mm-hmm. And my answer is to get a gun. I need to get a gun. Mm-hmm. I have never had a gun before, but now I do because I need to protect myself. Mm -hmm. And this struck me as completely insane. And Mm. the vast majority of black people continue to not have guns. They continue to not own guns and not have them in their homes. There's a far smaller percentage of black people who own guns versus the percentage of white people who own guns. There's a smaller percentage of guns in black households than in white households. Mm -hmm. Even though we are fully aware of the physical danger that we may be in in some of the communities that we live in, we have chosen by and large to not even the stakes by getting guns. And I just don't think that the path to liberation, the path to progress, is for us to pull out a gun anytime a crazy white citizen pulls out their gun. Like the I don't I don't think the future is us acting as badly and as aggressively and as ridiculously as they do. Certainly pulling out our guns on the police makes zero sense. That is a death wish. That will be the last thing you do. Mm-hmm. You saw Philando Castile was calmly telling them, officer, I have a gun. And mm-hmm. they murdered him quickly. Right. You pull out your gun. That will be the last thing you do. So that's insane. But just to deal with, you know, one of the moments that really sticks out for me, you saw in Michigan, there was a, the parking lot altercation, right? Oh, Outside, I, I believe it was Chipotle. Where because uh, mm-hmm, woman... I usually carry my gun to Chipotle and Taco Bell. No, you Bell. don't. No, you don't. Do you have a gun? No, I don't have a frigging gun, but what? I'm going to get to my gun feeling shortly. Go ahead and describe. Um, yeah, this white woman, Jennifer, something or other, pulled out her gun over an argument with this black woman and her teenage daughter. Mm-hmm. She clearly thought that she had the power in that moment when she had her gun pointing up the nose of this black woman and her teenager. Mm -hmm. But the black woman pulled out her phone. She had the power. She videotaped this woman 
pointing a gun at her. If she pulled out a gun, one of the two, one of the two of them is getting shot. Sure, one hundred percent. Somebody is pulling. If two people pull out guns, somebody's pulling. Absolutely. Maybe both of you. Somebody's getting shot. Somebody's gonna die. Maybe nothing's good. Nothing good's gonna come. Okay, so with, with the white woman. By the way, the white woman in the parking lot, mm-hmm. she got arrested. Her husband, who was there, didn't pull out his gun. He also got arrested. And he lost his job. They lost. She, Her with the phone, she's safe. She has her job. She's alive. She's chilling. Them with the gun, they lost. So your point here is that you're anti-gun. My point here is that more black people with guns is not going to make us more powerful, more liberated, more free. This is not the answer. Okay. so. Here's my feeling about this, and I have been talking about it for a very long time because my feelings have evolved over the course of these um, dire situations that black people find themselves in. Um, I have always been anti-gun because I don't think that you add a gun to any situation. I don't want to have a gun in my home. Um But what I have been witnessing, what I have been seeing on social media, what reports have been coming out are that black people are actually beginning to buy guns at a higher percentage, at a higher rate than they ever had at any time before. Now, this is not the first time that this has happened. We know this through history. We know that at the height of the Black Panther Party, they were all about Black people exercising their Second Amendment rights, right? So if we're going to be, if you're going to be, live in an open carry state, then you you have the right, as do white people, to be able to exercise your Second Amendment right. So my feeling is this, Black people are dying regardless. We're dying if we have a permit and you tell the police officer that, you know, I, I have this permit, Philando Castile, you're dead. The NRA did not come out and 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 stand behind Philando Castile, stand nope. behind his family and say, you know, uh, this this was not right. He was an avid gun owner. He is in a in a state that allowed this. He had his permit, all of these things. OK, the reality is, is that black people feel even more unsafe than I think that we have ever felt before. And I think that if you um, want, if you feel the desire to learn how to operate a gun so that if you are in a situation where um, where things are going to pop off, I think that Black people should learn how to shoot. I think you should learn how to handle yourself. I think that it is a form of self-defense. You know, when things that keep coming to mind, um, the recent video that we saw of um, the attempted lynching that happened, right? All these white people grab this Black guy. What are the things that I see in the social media feed? are like black people need to arm themselves. Black people need, you know, to be prepared to deal with these people. Why are white folks the only ones that are buying guns in droves? We know that they're setting up for a militia. We have no idea what's going to happen in November. And what I'm saying is that, look, if 
folks want to, if they want to exercise their Second Amendment right, they should. I don't think that you're going to pull a gun on a police officer and that's going to go well. No, I also don't think that, you know, a shootout in a parking lot is going to solve anything. But I think that pretending that like we should continue to take the quote unquote high road when we have just as we have just as much access and right to the Second Amendment as white people do. So it is okay for black people to say, you know what? I feel unsafe. I want to protect myself. I want to protect my family. And this is what I'm going to do. When I saw the pictures, the the videos of the black um, militia in Georgia, they were heavily armed and they marched over, marched over to, you know, up Stone Mountain, right? The biggest, the biggest area for the Confederacy. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. And for white supremacists, no, right? Beautiful. I, you know, people were applauding them and saying, you know what? We have access to let us remind white folks that like you're not the only ones that know how to shoot. You're not the only ones that are going to exercise I mean, their let's, rights. Let's let's keep in mind that what over the last 20 years, white the the number of white people who own guns has gone down, right? The number of guns that those people who own guns have has gone up, but there is a smaller number of people. So we are not dealing with some increasing militia of white people, right, um, who have guns. The vast majority of Americans don't have guns, and you know, oh, and gun sales have been on the rise over the past five to six months. I mean, in, in, you know, st- in states where like they were considered essential. I understand the impulse to have a gun to protect your home. And I, I, I do not do that, but I understand that impulse, that defensive protect my family, protect my castle. Um, you know, the police cannot get here fast enough. Now, there are many, many, many cases where people break into your home, mm-hmm. you point a gun at them, and they take it from you. That mm-hmm. happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And the notion that this is going to be shocking to a lot of people, but the notion that not having a gun means you are defenseless, that's crazy talk. Of course, you have 
defenses and there are many ways that you can deal with intruders by apart from having a gun, which quite often is taken from the homeowner and used against them. Um, to say nothing of, you know, the rise of suicides and accidents, um, the, you know, having a gun in the home makes everybody in that home less safe, not more safe. But philosophically, morally, I understand the imperative to want to have a gun in the home. I'm not doing it, but I understand. Mm -hmm. But when we start moving through the community, mm -hmm. open carrying or, 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 or worse, um, um, carrying secretly so that in case some crazy white person pulls a gun on you or says some crazy shit to you and you're going to pull a gun on them. It just, it, it I just not... don't understand why it's considered absurd for black people to carry a gun, but it's not considered absurd okay. for white people to carry I, a gun. I, I, you misunderstand if, if my position. You, you misunderstand my position. I think it's absurd for them to be carrying guns around also. I just don't think that we should be following them into the absurdity. I don't think that we should be mimicking their worst behaviors. I don't want to be like them. I don't want to be European and colonialist but and walking around that carrying white, I guns. I don't think that black people that want to that want to own guns and want to learn how to operate a gun in order to protect themselves are trying to be white. I think that racial anxiety is at an all-time high on top of everything else that we're fucking dealing with. And I think and if folks, if this is if this is the direction that they want to go and look, a lot of people who in the situation of of uh, of pulling a gun in their home and somebody being able to take that again, the training is lacking. Right. And I think that people need to go through training. You should go through rigorous training if you are making the decision to have a lethal weapon in your home or on your person. I but I don't I think, think that black people deciding that this is what they want to do or need to do or making this decision is them following along the steps in colonialism or trying to mimic white people. I think that black people are filled with anxiety and rightfully so, and trying to figure out if the cops are not going to save me, if it doesn't matter whether I'm innocent or not, it doesn't matter what it is that I say or what I'm doing. Like, can I have a fighting chance to protect myself, my loved ones? And I think that like, if that's your go-to, then then by all means, but do it safely, do it honestly, and get by. And if please, for the love of God, get trained. But if that's the case, why are we not seeing a rise in black people taking Krav Magra? Why are we not seeing a rise in black people saying, I'm going to get martial arts training so that I fully understand how to take your gun away from you and how to disarm you with my body in a way that stuns you, hurts you, allows my family to be safe. And you can't take away my, my physical training, my martial arts training. And I don't even mean becoming Bruce Lee, but you can do some fairly basic training that allows you to be in full control of your body without getting a tool that may mm -hmm. or may not lead to killing you and or somebody in your family and or somebody outside your family that leads to then your family being destroyed because you're no longer there. And I just don't think that, I think the, that a core problem in America is we have too many guns. Absolutely. 
And I don't fault any individual who is listening to this, who has made a responsible decision to own a gun, to take care of themselves and their family. But this New York Times notion of black people should or are, which is not happening, arm themselves en masse, that is not going to make us safer. It's not going to make America safer. If more guns in a given area made the people in that area safer, America would be the safest country in the world. The fact is that the more guns in a given area make everybody in that area more vulnerable, right? It does not produce safety. It doesn't produce some notion of like, well, everybody's carrying, so I better be cool. Like, no, that is the op exact opposite of what happens in an area where there's a lot of guns. I mean, I will say this, that I think that it is incredibly important to be able to learn how to operate and use a gun. Um, that is something, again, this was not a feeling I had a year ago. It is one that I have now. Um, I have friends who do own guns, who are black men and women. Um, and we have been having conversations about the need to protect yourself, the need to learn how to protect yourself. And this, and to your point about you know, uh, whatever type of martial arts and, you know, self-defense classes, those things, survivalist skills, those things are also uh, survivalist um, and, and the work that they do to train people. Those things are on the rise. People are scared. And I'm not saying that, you know, it, it's right to go and grab a tool, but I feel like it is, if you are responsible, if you are somebody that is trained, there is no reason why you cannot exercise your right. And I think that, again, maybe white folks would start feeling a little fucking different, which is the way that they started to feel in the late 1960s about popping off if they didn't. So if they didn't think that they were the only ones that were caring, it's just a thought. I am put, I am just putting it out there. But the reality is, is that we didn't start to have gun reform. We didn't start to have gun policy conversations until black people started to arm themselves. No, so, that's true. Well, the NRA changed when the black Panthers uh, showed their respect for guns, right? Then that's when the NRA became the modern NRA um, that is really here for to encourage white people to buy more guns. And just let's not be confused. The NRA is not actually for gun owners. The NRA represents gun and bullet manufacturers. Man, yep. And they mm -hmm. are here to do their bidding and to get us to buy more guns and bullets. That's what they're here for. Quite often, they are supporting initiatives that uh, most gun owners say they don't want. But they are here to do whatever it takes to get us to buy more guns and bullets. Um, you know, if you and I, if this New York Times thing was talking about um, a Black Panther-esque Let's use guns in a political way to thus force uh, better gun laws, more gun safety on America. That would be one thing. But I surely do not think that a some steep some steep rise in black gun ownership would then suddenly make white people behave. I better not pull out a gun on Danielle because she might be packing. 
I think they'd be quicker to pull out their gun on you and it would put you in more danger just thinking she might have a gun. I better pull on her before she pulls on me. And that's not just from the crazy Beckys that you encounter in the parking lot. but That's also from the police who stop you for going two miles over the speed limit. But then. Torre, so then every action that we should be taking should be about what it is white people think about us. So if what if a white person thinks that I have a gun, then I shouldn't own a gun. If a white person thinks that like I'm scary, then like I need to act better. I just I'm tired of re I'm tired of reacting. And again, I don't I don't I think that people, black people right now who are looking at their options, their options of survival in the current is- climate that we are living in are doing so out of anxiety and fear about the reality that they can lose their lives just going to the fucking store. They can I, lose I, their life I, just sitting in their car. And so can I have an opportunity to protect myself? But I feel like what you're saying here is just like, well, you know, if if the Beckys do this, then like everything that we need to do is like in reaction to what the fuck they're doing. And my I just re- my don't reaction, live like that. my reaction does not. Well, you're already reacting to them saying they have guns, so I need to have a gun, right? I'm saying I'm reject- that if if I'm if rejecting we have, that whole if we exchange. have a constitution and they are exercising their right, and my deterrent to doing so is out of fear that I'm going to be killed, you know, because I have a gun, I am going to be killed regardless. Is what my, is what I'm saying. So my re- my reaction not- is not on an individual level. My reaction is on a systemic level that we have too many guns in this country and we need to work with the gun safety community to have better laws, to have fewer people owning guns, right? And then make those who own guns have more training and take them more seriously and be afraid to pull them out when you're not actually being threatened. Like we need to create that sort of society where people are not uh, wantonly using their guns when they're actually not being physically threatened, right? Like I'm, that's that's where the reaction comes for me. If crazy white people have guns, the answer isn't for us individually to have guns because that does not make us safer. The answer is to create new gun laws so that we then become safer. We can't right? even get basic laws like let's not have high operating magazines. Let's not have bump whatever it is that makes, you know, machine guns go shoot more. And how, we can't get well, basic shit done. That is that is true. However, that is partly because of the power the NRA has had over the last 20 years over the political system. And we both see that the NRA in the last year to two has shown that it is weakening Right. I think they just had they just had they have tons of problems at headquarters. They had to Mm -hmm. let a lot of people go. They are bleeding power. They are not nearly the organization that they are now. And we will hopefully see over the next four years in a Biden administration, uh, a Democratic Party that is strong enough to stand up to the NRA and say, we demand change. And an NRA that is no longer strong enough to just just go boo and have Democrats running. 
I mean, God willing, uh, I, you know, I have issue with Democrats right now and their quote unquote strength and lack thereof. I would love for them to move out of their jellyfish ideology and, you know, and grow a spine. Um, but I don't know if like in an Biden administration, because he's a man that is very much middle of the road, that this is what they're going to stake, you know, uh, a, a stick in the ground for. And the, this, you know, one of the things that people aren't having a conversation about is that we haven't had a mass shooting in uh, in the last five months. I wonder why. Because everybody's been at fucking home. Because right? we're at home. We're, right. There's no, but there's like, no mass there's been, oh, to shoot Somebody up. said like, oh, there's been no school shootings because there's been no school. There's no school. Um, so, I, I, you know, again, I feel like if black people want to exercise their right, more power to you. Be safe about it. Um, because the world is crazy. The first thing that Trump did right after the coronavirus outbreak, they're going to take your guns. What the fuck? I did. I had no idea that an AR-15 could was was like the bleach that he was selling or the hydrochloroquine that he was selling, that it was going to kill the coronavirus. I didn't know you could shoot it away. <laughs> right. But like, uh... you know, I, I, I just I, again, I, I feel like people you need to do black people need to do what is best for them. And not all black people are going to go, you know, full on Rambo yeah. and arm themselves and, you know, and, yeah, and we do need the to do most, what's but best for those us, that but in, want to, they but, should. Yeah, yeah, we need to do what's best for us. But in many cases, that does not mean pick up a gun. In so many cases, that does not mean pick up a gun. Picking up a gun does not necessarily make you safer. It does not necessarily make you the more powerful actor in the situation. It does not mean that you are not bringing more risk and vulnerability into your life. And the idea that because you have a gun, you have power and you have control over everything that you encounter is completely backwards. And it's not true at all. And in some cases you may have that, but in many cases you won't. And you, you know, a, a, a hysteria induced uh, motivation for having a gun that makes me very concerned. You think black people are hysterical? Because hysteria think that, comes I don't from think hysteria that, I don't think is like we, made up in made up in your head. I'm not saying that we are hysterical. I'm thinking. I'm saying that in this New York Times piece, when you see people who are saying, "Oh my God, look at George Floyd, look at Brianna," I need to get a gun. That's that's crazy talk. It is not. This is not how we are going to deal with our police violence situation but it's by the same arming ourselves. It's, it's actually Brianna's another, husband a, was our uh, boyfriend or yeah, husband. He, he was armed. He did have a gun. He was um, armed. He did what many people would have done. She is dead because the police came guns first and the, his gun could not save her. No, it didn't. It didn't. It did not. It did and not. And I'm not save saying her. that they should have done anything different. I'm not blaming the victim. But I'm saying that having a gun did not make them safer, did not save them in that situation, but did here's not this, save Philando you know, Castile, didn't save uh, John Crawford. But it, in again, people are dealing with the time that we are living in very differently. A couple of weeks, a couple of episodes ago, we had the conversation uh, about some black folks being like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out. Right. Like I'm leaving the country. This place you is not worth but it was also another piece in the New York Times about the fact that I am black and I left. Y'all should leave, too. 
right? So you have these these reactions that are that are grounded in real feelings. They're what, not what grounded in hysteria. They're grounded I, in the fact that like, you know, this place is unsafe. And so what what are the solutions in making in making this country more safe? Is it arming myself? Is it leaving altogether? Is it someplace in between? But that's where it's it's real conversations that people are having because they feel unsafe. I think we need to question what the New York Times is trying to tell us. <laughs> Either get out or get armed. I don't know. The New York Times is funny. They got a lot of things that they, <sighs> they offer. got a lot. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of problems. Shout out. To my friends up there, Jamel, Mara, Charles, <laughs> on my butt. Like, this what a y'all lot. doing? Woo, there's a lot of problems, a lot, a lot of problems up there. Um, thank you for listening to Democracy Ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we will be back next week if there is a country that isn't diseased and we're not <laughs> hiding <laughs> in a bunker somewhere or Torre doesn't we have it you know, all lose it. We haven't all shot each other. Oh, my God. (laughs) You're so dramatic. Pray about it. Pray about it.